Welcome, everyone. It's Russ Galzo, Chronicles of the End Times. Thank you for being with us today. Today, we're going to continue our study in the book of Revelation. And today, we're going to chapter 15. And you'll find that as we read through uh, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, that they almost are one scene. It gives us different parts of each scene. Uh, We have to look at them all together and read them through. So it's very important for us to understand that, that once again, like I said before, this is not chronological order. So the Holy Spirit is giving us different views of the same scene. So it's very important for us to uh, grasp a hold of that. So let's begin to read. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues last, because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire, standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. They held their harps, given them by God, and sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So as I said, chapter 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 all now start running together like a great river heading towards the end. All that we've read so far talks about God's wrath being poured out. It's the final wrath being poured out, which gets described in chapter 16. And like I said before, what the Holy Spirit is doing, he's showing us a view in chapter 7, and then he gives us another view in chapter 15 here of this multitude that we see around the throne. And it is the same multitude that we saw in chapter 7. These are those who have been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. So these are the tribulation saints, as some call them. These are those who have come through that dark time, and they've been martyred and given up their lives because they would not submit, they would not give in, and worship the beast and his image. God is setting this up. He's showing us an overview of what's going to take place. Sometimes when we read Revelation, and this might sound odd and almost foolish to some, but we need to read it with the understanding almost of a child. There are so many volumes and books and libraries filled with books on the interpretation of Revelation, and most of them are very good. I have a lot of them in my library. Interpreting prophecy, as we've mentioned before in previous broadcasts, there's not one author or one writer who has all the answers. All these men and women who have written have built on the foundations of others' insights, and God gives greater revelation that way. And as we get closer and closer to these prophecies being fulfilled, current events and the news around us begins to fill in some of the blanks uh, that others couldn't see, you know, that others believed would happen or speculated that it would happen. We're seeing them happen. So it gives us even greater revelation. So many of these great books, these great study guides, and these stacks and stacks and volumes of literature written on revelation are all written one upon another. Someone gets a revelation at a certain period of time, and God shows him something, and then the next writer reads that, and he builds upon another revelation that God's given him, 
And this is how it goes. It's very similar to science, you know, making discoveries. Uh, Nobody just starts from ground zero and makes these great discoveries. They're usually built upon other scientists and other researchers that have made great strides and discoveries that come up with these solutions, whether they be uh, medical solutions or other type of scientific breakthroughs. The prophecy is very much the same. Having said that, you know, the scripture clearly says, be a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, um, someone who's studied the word, someone who's prayed over the word, have the tools to teach and to rightly divide the word of God is, is very important. But I've found through the years on top of that, we need sometimes to read the book almost in childlike faith. And sometimes we get all hung up on what a certain word means in the original Greek and We want to look this up and that up, and that's good practice, but we don't want to get all hung up on that and miss what God's trying to tell us. We don't need to see every tiny detail to understand the book of Revelation. What we need to understand is where God, where is the Holy Spirit going with this? Where, what does he want us to see? What is he showing us? Because God always shows us exactly what he wants us to see, and some things he keeps to himself. So those who say they have a complete understanding, I would take a step back uh, from them because nobody has complete understanding. We must always allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us as we go and not make assumptions on our own, but allow the Bible to testify to itself. So what we're seeing here is this great multitude. They're playing harps. They're worshiping God. They sing a song unto the Lord. And it's the song of Moses and the Lamb. And what does that mean? The obvious seems to be to me that this is a mix of uh, Jews and Gentiles in this great multitude. And they're singing this song of victory. And that's what it was. So if you look back uh, when they crossed the Red Sea and Moses began to sing and then they all began to sing together that the horse and rider were thrown into the sea. And they were rejoicing over God's power and deliverance and God's ability to bring righteous judgments. He judged Egypt so here in the same way because the world spiritually is considered to be Egypt from a spiritual standpoint. God has given victory again. So this great victory is what they've been waiting for. Those who have suffered and died and seen their families tortured and killed because they wouldn't take the mark of the beast. They are looking for righteous judgment. They're looking for these things to be straightened out as God had promised them. After this, I looked and in heaven, the temple, that is the tabernacle of testimony was open. Out of the temple came seven angels with seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. What we should take from this, the most important thing to take from this, is that if you remember back when they dedicated the temple and the priests came in, and they begin to serve at the temple. God came down in the power so great that they couldn't stand. They would just fall over from being in the presence of God. And that was just an eyedropper. <laughs> that was just a touch of what the full presence of God. That's why we need to be changed. Where the scripture says we need to be changed 
in the twinkling of an eye from mortality to immortality because flesh and blood can't handle the full presence of God. And so here we see that once again, the presence of God is so great because these judgments are coming that no one could be near it. They had to back off. Even the most righteous and holy in heaven had to take a step back because this was a holy moment. And we might not look at wrath as being holy, but we have to remember the atrocities that were done to the saints of God and to Israel, just the brutality. And beyond that, the satanic presence. This is what it's really about. This is a war between the king of darkness and the Lord of Lords. The vileness of all that evil has done since Satan fell from heaven. So this is the final, the end. The curtain is closing. This is God's final judgment, not just on those in the earth in this period of time, but upon the devil himself, upon the Antichrist and the false prophet and all those who not only led people astray, but people followed them because it was the lust of their heart. This is what they wanted. And we see it in today's society. There's people that just don't want to hear anything about God. They're not just people that are lost, you know, and, and we need to reach them. Uh, people that will eventually, you know, accept Christ. And it's a process sometimes. But it's those whose hearts have been so hardened that they don't want anything to do with it. That's not the lifestyle they want. That's not the way they want to live. They want to live their way. And so this is those that have made that decision and now they've bound themselves to the antichrist into worship of the beast so this is the wrath of god this is what it's coming down on not a bunch of poor people that gee we just didn't understand god has looked at the earth and in chapter 14 he reaps the righteous from the earth and now he's getting ready for the second harvest so you might say wait a minute didn't i already say that in a previous chapter i thought we were at this point i thought we were at a different point in the timeline so we have to understand as you, you read through this, you'll get the feeling of what God's doing. He's given us pieces here and there. And that as we get closer to the Battle of Armageddon, uh, that'll probably be uh, take four podcasts or so to go over. Uh, because we're going to go into the Old Testament, look at the Old Testament scriptures that not only prophesy about it, but actually describe what it's going to look like. It's definitely an R-rated uh, movie if it was ever made because it's bloody and gory. But we must remember that this is the holiness and the righteousness of God coming against the most vile and darkest evil. As we look at this, this should give us pause for thought as we think about the cross and the importance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what that means to God the Father. This is the ultimate sacrifice, as we've all heard maybe many times. But do we really understand and appreciate the door that's been opened by God and how merciful he is in light of everything that's going to transpire in the near future? That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. He is the door, and he's given us that opportunity through the cross. So if you haven't done that today, I pray that you will realize that there's two sides of Almighty God. God has given us the grace, the love of Jesus Christ, and all the, the grace we could ever use. But on the other side, there's a judgment coming. The road does have an end, but God has put up signs along the way, and he's saying, stop. He's warning us to repent and to turn from our ways. It's not God's will and his delight to destroy people. It's just the opposite. But we are human beings, and we will make our own decisions. So I pray that you're well on your way 
and walking in the life of grace and the love of Jesus Christ. So until next time, this is Russ Galzo Chronicles of the End Times. We'll be looking at chapter 16 next. So God bless. Keep looking up. The King is coming. And it's Jesus.